Welcome to the POV Hamilton podcast, where we're talking to innovators, educators, leaders, and builders across the steel city. We have the most diversified economy in Canada, and there are hundreds of stories waiting to be told of the people, the companies, and the organizations making it happen. Here's whose point of view you'll be listening to today. My name is Jordan Rakowski. I'm the director and principal of Brainstorm Academy. Brainstorm Academy is a tutoring center and small private school, and we focus primarily on one-to-one STEM instruction. So really trying to drill deep with science, technology, engineering, mathematics support for students, uh, but also be able to build in these, these workshops, these hands-on skills uh, beyond the academic aspects. About me, I got into education in a strange roundabout way in that I started tutoring as a summer job while I was in university. And after finishing up my degree, I just kind of stayed. I, I never really left. Um, and I don't think it's that I, I didn't enjoy what I was studying. I loved what I was studying. Um, I, I had majored in uh, engineering physics at McMaster, um, and, and I had focused on nuclear and alternate energy. So, I, I mean, my original plan was, you know, go work in Pickering or Concordia, but it, it was it was phenomenal, and I, I, I loved what I was studying. But it, there was something interesting about working with these students in in this tutoring center that I, I think kind of put me on to this different path here. Uh, so, I mean, since pretty well my my third or fourth year of university I've been working at the same place and uh sitting at the same table we've had a couple paint jobs over the years but still sitting in the same spot uh and the the big difference now is that uh instead of working solely as a math and science tutor I'm now the owner director principal of uh of the entire operation It certainly is a very, very interesting time with education right now, even completely discounting the fact that high school and university and really all students have spent the past nearly two years now working almost exclusively online. I think even before that, the the writing was on the wall about changes to the way that, that we learn, changes to the way that we study. And... I think the education as a whole catching up with where technology was was going. It's a lot more than incorporating a smart board into the classroom or getting some fancy lab upgrades. It's the way students have access to information. Uh, we, I was always told that I, I, I had to learn how to do things by hand in math because I wasn't always going to have a calculator in my pocket. And nobody saw the iPhone coming. Nobody saw the, you know, the, the, the rise of smartphones and this, you know, pocket-based technology that we, we've all got now and take for granted. And I, I think that's had really, really, really profound effects on students where they've got access, not just to the, you know, this calculator, but they've got access to, you know, the, the, the sum total of human knowledge, you know, being able to, access the the world's most advanced encyclopedia or search for literally anything within seconds find explainer videos find courses find anything that they could 
possibly need to answer questions. It's all in their pocket. And, you know, I mean, mostly we squander this and, and, and look for pictures and videos of cats. But, you know, beyond that, I, it's, it's interesting that it, it doesn't seem that we've really been leveraging this technology and education as much as we could be. Uh, and we still stayed with the the old, comfortable, traditional methods. Not that there's things wrong with them, but I really think that we could be doing things a lot better and, and kind of bring things up into the 21st century. Uh, why do we have teachers? And beyond that, why, why do we have universities and colleges and degrees and these multi-billion dollar endowment funds for them? Like, can't we do something else? If you can get everything for free. And that's, I think, a big challenge that a lot of teachers, a lot of institutions um, are facing is having to redefine that role. Because in the past, I mean, information was fairly limited. So to have this community of experts and scholars pushing those academic boundaries at the time was, you know, was, was wild uh, to be able to share that and to build on that total of human knowledge. But we're significantly past that. We're, we're well past that invention of the printing press. We've had other incredibly revolutionary inventions since then. Um, and I, I mean, the next big printing press that we've had was the development of the internet, I think. And being able to, again, expand on our collective knowledge and, and share that a lot more easily. This is, this is where we are right now. And I, I think just the same way that the printing press would have revolutionized education in, you know, mid 1400s, we're, we're facing the same thing now. And whether it's we're working through a transitionary period where we're still all trying to get our bearings with it and figure out how to do it, or whether it's resistance, or it's just acceptance is slow. This is, I think this is where we are right now. We're right, we're right in the middle of it. We're in the middle of, of, of the future. We've got new ways of sharing ideas. We've got new ways of making these groups and meeting with experts and developing our ideas and researching them. But is there more that we can do with it? And are we still really harnessing this ability, this, this, this technology? Um, are, are we using it as effectively as we could be? So I, I think that even though we're, we seem to be in the middle of this transition to you know the the new printing press we still need teachers we still need professors and colleges and universities and schools and these brick and mortar institutions that that we're so familiar with but maybe less so the way that we're approaching it we've got this educational style this this way of teaching students that has remained, I think, in bulk, relatively unchanged since the Industrial Revolution. Um, Sir Ken Robinson had a phenomenal presentation about it, about how we basically build these factory lines for students, and we treat them as products and raw materials. We put them in this machine at the beginning, and they trundle along the conveyor belt until they get to the end and they're complete but the same way the factories have been upgraded i think we could be modernizing the way that we're looking at educating students as well not to say that it's not being 
done well. Not at all. I, I, I really am genuinely amazed at how the whole thing works and how, the, the fact that we can take a, you know, a, a, a small child and, you know, within 16, 17 years, they've graduated with university degrees. 20 years later, they're doctors performing surgeries. It's astounding, I think, what we're able to do but I think we can do more. Um, and that, that doesn't mean replacing teachers or professors or universities or anything like that. But I think it means replacing the way that we, that we look at things uh, and, and changing the roles that, uh, that educators and educational institutions have. So one of the big ways I, I that I've, I've been really interested in seeing these things change has uh, been with this more widespread use of micro credentials, where instead of maybe taking an entire degree, an entire program, we're looking more at specific certification. Uh, and I know colleges have been running these programs for ages, um, and likely universities as well. Uh, but my familiarity with them is, has, has been more with what colleges have been doing, um, as whether it's an adult education program, um, an extension to a university degree, an extension to uh, a college diploma, something where you, you finished and you're coming back for a bit more. But it always seems to be on the end of some larger degree or larger accomplishment that's been done. You graduate with a you know, degree in engineering and then maybe you go off and take a, a couple certification programs afterwards. So I, I think we've always seen these micro-credentials starting out as these things that happen after your major degrees, major accomplishments and diplomas. But there's always been other ones, like why, what about taking courses at the community center? What about taking small, you know, programming courses online? You want to learn how C++, you take a course for it. You want to learn oil painting, you take a course for it. By having these almost as, as different and separate programs, we're saying that in a lot of cases, they're not valid learning experiences. But I don't subscribe to that at all. I don't think that that's the case. I think learning a particular skill and being able to apply it in a greater context is valuable no matter where you learn it. Uh, and I, I, I think possibly giving more power, being able to pick and choose smaller individual certifications, just like you would picking courses and electives, but being able to stick smaller certifications together to build a greater degree to build a greater diploma or outcome after that. Uh, I think there's a lot of strength in that. But I mean, ultimately, what, why are we educating students? What's the, the point of educating students? Uh, and I, I've, I've talked to a number of people about this. Almost every single time I, I, I meet with a, a certain group of friends, this always comes up. And um, the conversation comes up, you know, why, why do we educate students? What is the purpose of education? And well, I don't think I'm, I'm, I'm nearly qualified to, to say this is the, you know, this is the one thing that we're trying to do with it. I, I, I think I'm qualified enough to say one of the purposes is to prepare them for the workforce and to prepare them to go out into the world and 
be useful, functional members of society. And the more we can teach these students, the more productive, the more useful that they can be. So what, with that in mind, then what, what use is it for us to have students studying things that are antiquated or using methods that are out of date and aren't updated for, for what the world looks like now? And whether that's an old learning style, whether that's, you know, an antiquated degree program, or whether that's, you know, this is how we're studying it, because this is how we've always done it. I, I don't know that that's as effective as an answer as it could be. So I really what I see is moving forwards, I wouldn't be shocked if these, you know, this notion of micro credentialing becomes more and more and more significant with more, we'll say post-secondary or larger institutions, these higher education institutions, maybe not moving away entirely from, but including more uh, flexibility and customizability within these, these greater programs. To say that we should incorporate technology and incorporate all of these new tools and the, the, you know, the iPhones and the tablets and, you know, the touch screen, this, and the, you know, 5g that to, it, it's not a matter of we're only going to use these tools, but it's a matter of we, we want to effectively incorporate these tools. Uh, but I think one of the key parts is, is that it's effective and it's not just shoehorned in there to say, okay, well, you've got an iPhone, here's an app, just use it because it's 21st century to, to have an app for this class. We've got to use it effectively. So if our old techniques are still working, then great, you know, continue to leverage these things. But we do have the opportunity to, to really build some great creative tools that enrich, uh, but not necessarily replace these old ones. So I, I don't think as much as I want to say, yeah, you know, let's 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 move everything online and and this online education is is great uh whether it's been deployed <laughs> appropriately or not i i think there is a big advantage to online education and to to using this technology here but still going you know back to back to our old school methods and having having the in-person education that's still an aspect that's absolutely critical uh but one of the the definite 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 advantages that working in person has is just that hands-on learning. It is irreplaceable. You can study how something works. You can read everything you want about manual transmissions and clutches and, you know, what RPM you're supposed to shift gears and all of that. And you are going to stall your car the first time you, you try to back at your parking spot. If you've never driven stick before, there's, something so valuable about this hands-on learning so it's something so irreplaceable it's not a matter of you know let's go entirely online then and just use all this brand new technology it has to be used i think effectively there's a way to incorporate this you know modern technology as learning tools even in i would say these you know traditional in-person bricks and mortar institutions so like taking 3d printing for example, it's, you know, what, what started out as uh, a, a machine to quickly build prototypes in, I, I think, the 80s. 
um, you know, to, to melt some plastic and to, to make these relatively low resolution models. We, we were doing exactly that. We were, why were we building the physical models in the first place? Wasn't a CAD diagram enough? You've got it on your screen. Well, we need to sometimes physically hold these things. You know, we need to print them out and see how it's going to work in the greater machine. Um, before we go off and send that down to the machining department, they, you know, they make the metal ones, we put that in the machine and it works and it's great. It's a tool for us to use, but it's not something that's going to replace these traditional techniques of actually, you know, casting parts or, or, or making parts out of, out of metal, but it helped us along the way and it helped streamline things. Um, but even to extend that idea as the technology got a lot better and as we could print things in finer resolutions, we could also print things with different materials. And not only that, the, the machines are no longer these, you know, costing tens of thousands of dollars. Um, I, I've got one on my desk right now that was no more than 400 bucks. And the, the, the quality that this thing is able to output would still, for, for its price point, be rivaling machines that were built years and years ago and cost multiples more. So in the same way that I, I, I don't think we're replacing traditional methods uh, in education with these new flashy, fancy digital ones, we're using it to supplement. But even on that, that point of 3D printing, what, what, just as an example, using that as specific tool as an example, what else can students get out of it? It's not just a matter of, you know, they're going to make a gear that's going to fit into a machine later, but all these other skills that come with it, being able to develop their electronic skills, if they want to, you know, maybe put a particular upgrade on it, they need to be sure that it's wired up correctly. Having some sort of idea of spatial awareness and uh, the 3D design concepts to be able to actually create a piece uh, and to, to create something that they can print themselves to consider even like mechanical skills, even just the hands-on feeling of building the machines. You can read the instruction manuals all you want. You can watch YouTube videos all you want. But when it comes down to actually building it and doing it properly and fine tuning it, I thought it was going to be simple. I thought building this thing was going to take me you know, an hour, put it together. It's going to be great. I don't know how many times, I, I think at least three times in a row, I wasn't reading the instructions because I don't need these instructions. I'm smart enough. And I installed the same part upside down twice. I've ripped this machine apart. I don't know how many times and I'm still learning more uh, and, and, and my skills are still improving. And this is something that's totally self-direct. So being able to put these sorts of tools, these, these new technological things in the hands of students and incorporate it into these traditional sorts of learning experiences that we have, I think can really make much more powerful experiences for them and develop these, what I would say are 21st century skills for students to be more effective when they leave school and enter that workforce. So I, I think it really is an interesting time to, to, to be in education. Um, and I, I think particularly interesting to be running a tutoring center uh, that, that focuses focuses specifically on working with students one-to-one -one in that we can directly treat the questions they have, the challenges they're having, and what they want to study and what they want to learn. We, we have the luxury of not working with 
30 students at the same time and needing to connect with all of them. We have you know, one student sitting across from us that has a particular challenge that we can address. But on top of that, it gives us really a lot of flexibility to be able to, to incorporate these you know, new learning styles or these micro credentials or small workshops and new technology into the lessons that we have for these students in the sense that we can really be sure that it, it, it fits. You know, it's not a matter of, hey, here's a 3D printer. I'm going to work the 3D printer into our class's lesson now. But if this is a tool that's useful, and we, you know, we have a couple of students that are interested in, in working with that. We've got that flexibility to be able to put something custom together for them to help build these specific things that they are interested in. If they're interested in electronics, we've got that really interesting opportunity to be able to specifically select projects for them and to use whatever tech we've got to help them build those things and develop better understandings for it. Despite all the challenges that students are facing, whether it's changing of learning styles, changing of instructional styles, working entirely online for a year and a half, two years, you know, we've still had students coming in. We've still been helping them. We've still been teaching them, but we've also been learning ourselves in how we can improve and how we can I think, continue to innovate in a field that, that really prides itself on innovation. I don't think any, any teacher, any professor, any school is saying that, you know, only the old techniques were the way to do things because it's, that's, you know, outrageous. It's one of the key things is that we, we want to build on our skills. This is why we're in schools. This is why we're in education is to, to, to learn and to improve and to get better and to pass this on. So, I mean, to say that, you know, that, that, that we haven't been learning as well during the time, we certainly have. But, I, you know, I think with all of the challenges going on for, for students is, is we're all coming out hopefully stronger from this, both as, as learners and as, as educators. Um, but also seeing the value, mainly because, you know, we got forced into it as well, uh, but seeing the value of these, these 21st century tools that we've got in front of us and making sure that as we continue working with our students, as others continue working with theirs, that, that we're always trying to improve, that we're always trying to get better. We're always trying to, to, to innovate in whatever ways that we possibly can. Thanks for listening. Make sure you're subscribed so you never miss an episode. And please consider rating and reviewing as it helps others to find the show. For more information or to listen to past episodes, go to povhamilton.com.